0: parties and other amazing events visit milu dot com. this podcast is also brought to you by photographers edit custom image editing for the professional photographer visit photographers all right ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we are back for another podcast episode and a brand new guest catch moyer cat thank you so much for Hanging out with me today, uh, we we worked through a bit of technical issue to get started. And I think we're going to have a really great conversation. Actually, I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, and we're going to get into a pretty big topic. Honestly, I mean, this is one we could probably spend multiple episodes, hours and hours, talking about this idea of building brand awareness, but you have quite a bit of experience building brands, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And um, you're going to share some of your expertise, your experience when it comes to this idea of building brand awareness. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But I would normally just jump right in here and and we would talk about uh, actually here at the outset, one of the most important principles behind providing customer experience. But I'd like to lend a bit of context for our listeners to that question. You have multiple companies, multiple brands that you are running. Can you just give us a a summary of all of the above?
1: yes I can do a very very quick summary of them so my husband and I run creative at heart um, which is a brand built on providing education and community for creative entrepreneurs so we host an annual conference we yeah. also have a membership community uh, and we love being able to just pour into creatives um, through that brand I also am a wedding planner so I have a wedding planning company where of course I'm offering you know services to couples all throughout the state of Virginia and then my third brand is my own personal brand, um, which is a little bit more of like a lifestyle um, sort of brand where I offer coaching for creative entrepreneurs um, and have blog content um, through that brand as well.
0: Okay. So that brand, and I'm just going to list these websites for everybody listening. And of course, we'll put these in the show notes as well. But your your personal brand, your consulting brand is katschmoyer.com. It and, is. And that's k-a-t-s-c-h-m-o-y-e-r.com. And then you mentioned being an event. Would you call yourself an event planner or coordinator? What do you, How do you like to, to address yourself?
1: Either one. I yeah. know. Sometimes in the wedding planning world, it can go either way. I feel like I've actually transitioned to more coordinating over the years from full out planning because okay. I have multiple brands. So yeah. e- e- either one is, is fine.
0: Okay. But that's dearsweetheartevents.com. Is that right?
1: Yes, it is. And
0: that's just like it sounds. And then creativeheartconference.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. You mentioned to me that you're getting ready... Uh, you've, you're kind of ramping up for the conference currently, right?
1: We are. So our conference will be this summer, but we're opening um, up a registration next week, actually. Okay. Um, so we're definitely in launch mode right now, kind of gearing up for all of that.
0: Okay. So for anybody that's listening in, by the time this goes out, that registration will have already opened. And do you limit registration to a certain number of people?
1: We do. So for the past two years, we've had about 120 attendees, okay. and we've actually sold out in three hours the past two years. Whoa! So I we'll see what happens this year. I'm trying not to jinx it um, <laughs> or put you know too high of expectations on things, and you know we'll have a waitlist and you know some other opportunities available too if people miss. A misregistration.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I, for those of you listening in, if you somehow missed out, if, if the conference already sold out, well, will at least make sure that the link is in the show notes. You can learn more, and maybe there'll be some other opportunities to, to go to the conference. Of course, the Instagram accounts for those websites are all the same as the URLs. We'll put those in the show notes as well at com. So let me then kind of segue from that, uh, Kat, to this first question about what you would say is the most important principle behind providing a wonderful customer experience. And this is a relatively new question that we have begun asking. We're kind of switching up the questions um, this year. And I'd be curious from your experience, particularly doing wedding planning, wedding coordinating, what would you say is one of the most important principles for providing your customers a really wonderful experience?
1: I love this question. Um, and when thinking it over, I feel like for me, the most important thing is figuring out what is my over deliver in this situation. Hmm. I want to make sure that my clients are not only receiving you know, the package details, right? And they can go through that checklist and say, okay, Kat was here for a certain number of hours and she did all of these, expectations, you know, that she is required to do based on the contract. But what else did I do to really serve my clients well within capacity, you know, of, of the package that they have booked with me?
0: So they walk away feeling like they got way more for the money than they even expected.
1: Absolutely. And I want to do this not only with my service based clients. So whether it's wedding planning clients, coaching clients, but also then even in like the product world, you know, digital products or our membership community, like what are ways that I can continue to over deliver to provide them a really incredible experience in, you know, whatever it is that they have done with me.
0: Can you give our listeners a a tangible example of what that might look like? And let's go back to the wedding planning and coordinating. What's something that you've done that's just kind of taken the client experience to the next level, maybe even for an individual client that you've worked with?
1: I think something that's super simple to do is some sort of gifting process throughout the customer experience, Okay, whether that's, you know, when, so for example, with my clients, uh, some of my clients could add on a floral design within my company. So when I send over the floral proposal, I'm also going to include a $5 Starbucks e-gift card and say, grab a cup of coffee, enjoy looking this over. Can't wait to hear what you think. Super simple way to provide a little bit of additional like, for fun value, you know, for them to enjoy while also, you know, getting what they are, you know, planning on receiving from my company.
0: It's funny how, I mean, you talk about a $5 e-gift card. It doesn't seem like much, but it's funny how those little things sometimes can just be the most fun gifts to receive. Like even at, you think about Christmas, if you get a stocking and, sometimes those little gifts that you get in a stocking that may just cost a few bucks are even more exciting in some cases than the, the so-called bigger presents, if you will. Absolutely.
1: Yes, um, absolutely.
0: We actually used to, when I was shooting weddings, we connected with a local floor. She was a florist, but also had this beautiful, beautiful gift shop. And we had the opportunity to work with her both as a florist and, um, and then also coordinate with her certain gifts that we would purchase from her shop to put into a gift bag that we would give to our clients when they would book us. And it was, it was fun little things like, uh, you know, a game, uh, what, what's the thousand and one questions game or something like that, the, the tabletop okay. game that you put it as <laughs> yeah. it, a way to continue to develop the relationship and, and, and some other kind of knickknacks, special gifts specifically from her shop. So this is a way for us to be able to kind of refer business to her but then also um, do something extra for the client. They walk away with a fun little gift, primarily for the bride. But it was just that, like you were talking about, this added touch that just took their experience to the next level. And and likely there weren't any other photographers at the time that were doing anything like that in town. So it did take the experience to the next level. So it doesn't have to take a lot or cost a lot, I should say. And I like that you highlight that very fact and the way that you're working with your clients.
1: Yeah, we. St- I started doing that for them probably about t- over two years ago now. And again, like you said, it it's something that sometimes we think over deliver means. Well, I have to overextend myself. I have to do all of these additional things, and we just don't have the time to do it. Yeah. But really, it can be very small things throughout the entire client process um, that really mean the most to them. And those are the things that. They'll probably remember more than whatever it is that, you know, was written out in the contract that you were supposed to do for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking a step beyond the contract, not being too uptight about the whole thing. And, and I mean, if I just, I literally wrote down the words here on my iPad over deliver. And if I look at that and I think about whatever my business model is, how I can just take even a small step beyond what I am promoting, Uh, it's not difficult to come up with some really fun ideas. So I I think this is a great reminder for all of our listeners. And I appreciate you sharing that. Let me jump to the next one. And this is a question, one of my favorite questions here at the podcast that we're going to continue to ask and highlight. But what is your business's brand position? And for anybody that's new to this conversation, the unique value proposition that your business offers to your market. And I'm going to kind of hone in again on your coordinating and and planning business? Because I know that there are a lot of companies out there that, that offer this service. How do you set yourself apart?
1: one of the things that we do really well is we actually work great with type a brides um we work well with brides who understand their plan um, and really just need like a best friend to come alongside them and help make that plan happen i know there are wedding planners out there that do a phenomenal job of working with someone who's like i have no idea where to start you know yeah. take it from here whereas we have found our niche isn't no you you know what you want but no, now you just need a little bit of help kind of formulating this action plan. Um, so I feel like our, um, our brand's position, our like unique value proposition yeah. that we can give to our clients is saying like, hey, we get it. Like, you are excited to plan your wedding. We just want to help you. We don't need to necessarily do all of the things for you, but let us do some of these things that an expert should do so that you can enjoy being the bride.
0: Okay. This is seriously one of my favorite brand positions I've heard to date here on the podcast for multiple reasons. One, it automatically sets your so-called target client uh, up on a pedestal, right? You know exactly who it is that you're reaching toward. You're trying to reach out to, to book as a client. It also frames the business model. You know that this is the type of bride you're working with. So the services can be tailored specifically to work with this particular type of bride. Absolutely. Have you ever thought about literally putting like wedding planning for the type A bride there on the homepage when they land on your, your homepage?
1: No, but we probably should after this conversation. <laughs> it's brilliant. Seriously, it would it's absolutely be really brilliant. Good <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, because yeah. the other thing it does, of course, and, and we've talked about this quite a bit when it comes to the idea of brand position, one of the purposes is to filter out irrelevant clients, right? Are Not every client is for us, and you just pointed out that there are some brides who need to be handheld all the way through the process, and there are certain businesses mm-hmm. that are geared toward that type of bride. That's not the kind of client that you want to work with. And so, by putting that up there, I mean I, I can just picture it right here because I'm actually on the homepage of your uh, your website. For everybody listening in, you can go to dearsweetheartevents.com. But I could just see that in bold text right there on the and and I would immediately be drawn in because I've never heard of anything like that before, but it totally makes sense.
1: Well, I'm really glad we are doing this, um, having this conversation, so I can <laughs> make some website changes when it's we get brilliant. off of here for sure. That's well, great.
0: no, everybody listening in, this is a beautiful mm-hmm. example of a, of a very clear, very distinct brand position. It can be summed up literally in a few words. There is, I can't imagine, there's literally anybody else out there that specifically positions themselves in this way, much less in cat's market specifically. So it is distinct. Uh, it, it immediately filters out your irre- relevant clients and it frames the business model. Literally the whole service can be built around this idea. So I, this is a beautiful example. Everybody listening in, I hope you're taking notes because this is uh, seriously, it's one of my favorites <laughs> to date. Let me keep I'm going so though. Glad. Um, as a business owner, time is uh, a difficult thing to come by at times. You, you talked before we started recording about how busy you are right now. How do you have a little bit of time for yourself or the important people in your life amidst running all of these brands? How do you create that time for yourself? Is there a particular tip or technique that you can recommend?
1: I'm a huge fan of themed days, like batching content or batching workload yes. throughout the week based on whatever that specific day is. So theme days are huge for me, whether that's one day of the week where it's interviews and appointments and coaching clients, you know, like kind of those face-to-face conversations. And then other days of the week that I can just be in the business, you know, doing the emails, answering admin tasks that need to get um, responded to, focusing on marketing. But for me, batching that content has allowed me to grow three brands simultaneously and to understand what each one needs at any given moment. And also feel like I can put whatever hat I need to put on at that time on that day.
0: Yeah. There's jumping around and I've been, I've I've found this as I'm beginning to hone in on how I work, not necessarily in batching, but chunking my day, I guess, with a focus for particular segments of my day, it, it really helps minimize the kind of chaos that can happen mentally and externally for that matter. When we're multitasking, where we're literally jumping from one thing to the next every 30 seconds or 60 seconds or five minutes, right. um, it, that lack of focus means we're not nearly as productive. The creativity level may not be as high and it can really cause stress as well, again, mentally, as well as potentially to the, to the business. But how does this, what does this look like? Can you be a little bit more specific? Are you chunking or blocking off like hour time segments or a couple hours or three, three hours or a whole days? Or how does that look?
1: So I have a theme day for every day of the week, literally Monday through Friday. And I use system wise, I use Trello. So I literally just have a list. Um, I have like my cat board that is sort of my brain dump, like parking lot board where I have a list for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and I know the theme for each day of the week. Again, whether that's Thursdays are heavy on appointment days. So I know I'm not going to be able to get any marketing content done, any probably even that many emails done on Thursdays because it's just a back-to-back appointment day. But just like you said, my brain is in that space. I'm not having to jump around and do seven different things at one time. I can focus on those appointments, on those clients, what I need to do. Whereas Tuesdays, for example, is my marketing day. Tuesdays are the day I don't shower. I don't put on real clothes. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to, you know, no one has to see my face yeah. and I can just get content done that okay. needs to get done in the business. I love being able to do it by literally the specific day, like a theme day, wow. because I feel like I end the day feeling very accomplished. I'm definitely an Enneagram three. So I want to see results Quickly, I want to be able to check off those to do's. And Mm -hmm. I found that by having it by each day, I'm able to really check those things off and end the day feeling like I got somewhere, which I wasn't feeling like I was doing before I started implementing this system.
0: And you think just giving a whole day's worth of time and focus to one kind of category of tasks means that you are more productive in the end? It does. For me, it does. Okay. Yes. Kit, if you don't mind though, you mentioned Tuesday was marketing. Thursday was more for appointments. Do you, mean, do you mind mentioning what Monday, Wednesday and Friday look like? Because I, I want to give, I know some of our listeners, this would be a relatively new concept or at least not something they've experimented with before. Maybe they can get kind of a framework from this.
1: Absolutely. Mondays is a catch all day. It's the first day of the week. So usually, you know, emails are potentially a little bit busier. Um, I like to just use Mondays to get ready for the week. So it can be kind of a wide variety of tasks that need to get done. Okay. Tuesdays, like I said, the marketing day. So I'm writing content. I'm, you know, batching that Instagram content, working on blog content, email marketing, anything that's marketing related in the business. Wednesdays are my project management day. I'm a huge fan of quarterly planning um, and and I, I feel like it's how we've been able to grow the three brands um, as they've needed to grow yeah. because we've had specific goals for each one in mind. So Wednesdays are the day that I can really work on the business. I don't, I'm not focusing on client projects. I'm not working on tasks related to a bride or a coaching client unless, of course, you know, the venue's on fire or something crazy happens where, you know, there are expectations to every rule. But Wednesdays are my day where I really just want to get in the weeds of my business focus on the projects that we're working on. Then Thursdays are my appointment days. And then Fridays are client um, facing appointment days. So, or excuse me, client project days. So wrapping up the week, finishing up any to do's, and then also working on additional client projects that needed to get done and get out to those people.
0: Wow. Okay, this is really interesting. I I can imagine, again, that we could spend at least a whole different episode, whole additional episode talking even more detail about what all that looks like. I find it interesting. I mean, first of all, it seems as though you're running your your brands like a CEO versus somebody that's being kind of run by their business or being an employee of their their business. Uh, Because the idea that you would spend a whole day, at least three days of the week, anyway, on a very specific category of Tasks or activities would probably seem like a luxury to a lot of the photographers listening in. They're not used to functioning that way. It's it's a react to this thing coming in and then this notification right. and then right. oh shoot, I gotta go do this, and then I gotta send these images and I gotta and it's just kind of all over the place and it feels chaotic. And I know I've personally experienced that. Was there a time at which you just realized you needed to shift the way that you were working and you you moved more in this direction of being a CEO?
1: It was probably honestly about two years ago when I started implementing this. Like strategy, this productivity strategy. Okay. I felt like I was spinning my wheels and ending the day thinking, "What did I actually do?" You
0: know, <laughs> yep. like,
1: and I hate that feeling. Like, yes. I hate that feeling. And it still happens. It's not. It's not to say that this system is perfect and every week, oh, you know, sure. it, it ends so well. Um, there are still weeks where it feels that way. But by having this be the rule, and there just being those expectation weeks that pop in, you know, that aren't necessarily like that. But for the most part, this is the rule. I found that I was able to see growth and I was able to see the potential come true. And I think putting on your CEO hat ties perfectly in with building brand awareness because we have to be able to do that. We have to be able to take a step back and know that, you know what, our clients can wait 24 hours before they get an email response. It's okay. We don't have to react just like you said. We don't just need to be like putting out fires all the time and responding to everything right away. We can still over deliver. We can still serve them, but we can also have this time spread out. Um, So whether you're a one person show or you have a team of people, You can still create a system like this that works for your business and serves your clients well.
0: Yeah. And when you actually take the time to think through that, you know, I, this would be a great time of year actually for anybody listening in to just, you know what, take a day or take a couple of days and think through, I mean, you could literally make a list for those of you listening in of all the things that you do on a day-to-day basis as a photographer or a business owner, and then begin to categorize those activities first of all, I like to suggest proactive versus reactive. So the proactive tasks are those things that are going to actually move your business forward, that in some cases may require your involvement, or at least is having you involved is going to be important. And then those reactive tasks, you try to delegate um, to a third party of some sort. So you can kind of minimize that work and then categorize each of all those leftover proactive tasks, kind of like Kat is suggesting, and then time chunk or day chunk, (laughs) um, in the way that you're managing your time and the, the level of productivity would go up significantly. I think the level of fulfillment, I, when, I, when I work in, and it's not exactly this way, I, I have my day broken into chunks and in time chunks actually. And like you were saying, it's not about following it perfectly, but it gives me a structure within which to work. And when I do that, I just feel like I'm on top of things. Like I'm actually owning the day versus the day owning me or the business owning yes. me it makes a really massive difference. So um, yet again, uh, this is really great advice for all of our listeners. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that cat. Talk to us about uh, inspiration. I mean, I've already been inspired seriously, just in this conversation, but where do you personally find inspiration as an entrepreneur?
1: This is a hard question for me. I feel like my answer is maybe not as conventional, but I I feel like I find the most inspiration when I actually take a step back from my business, Okay, even though I'm like preaching that to myself as I say that because I, I don't do that enough. I think that's like the curse of being an entrepreneur. Like we all... Love what we do, so we do a lot of it. You know, we're constantly working, we're constantly trying to to grow our businesses, to better our life and our families. But I get the biggest ideas for my business, or I get just excited about my business again when I take a step back and 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 just have that like refresh time um, to look at it from the outside, looking in.
0: That's good. Do you do this? um, You mentioned quarterly planning. What is that? Can you kind of sum up what that looks like? Are you taking a whole day, a couple of days a week to do that? What does that process look like?
1: Quarterly planning is one dedicated day for quarterly planning. So I do... I start off my quarterly planning at the beginning of the year because I like to have a full 365-day view look of the year. Okay. But even if it's not January, you could do quarterly planning. You can kick it off in July. Um, but I do think it's helpful to take that bird's-eye view look first and foremost yeah. um, so you have a general understanding of the moving parts of your business, the revenue streams, what's going on, and then hunker down and say, okay, what about Q1? What about Q2? What about Q3? And like take each one bite size. So I do that typically about 20 20-ish days before the quarter ends, like two-ish weeks before the quarter ends, I'll have a quarterly planning day. So I can look at the current quarter I'm in, assess what's happened, what's going well, what's not going well, and be able to look forward to the next quarter.
0: That's really good. And do you think that's applicable that concept is applicable to a wedding or portrait photographer? Can they look at it in a similar way or would you suggest oh, something absolutely. different? Oh,
1: absolutely. No, I absolutely think so. It doesn't matter if you have one revenue stream and one business. You know, you can still be able to assess how is this going? How is my bookings right now? What can I do differently? What should I not do differently? You know, you can ask yourself some of those questions so that you you are able to move forward just with a clearer understanding.
0: Okay, this is really good. Talk to me about we were talking about inspiration. Do you are you a reader? Do you enjoy books? Is there a particular book, self help book, business book, maybe even a podcast that's been really helpful for you?
1: I do. So I'm actually currently reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, Yes, which it ties in with my, you know, again, I'm kind of a little bit of a nerd with my theme days, my productivity and all of that. And I had some friends recommend his book to me. Um, so I'm just now getting into it. I love his other book, one of his others, Digital Minimalism. And I'm really excited about what I'm reading in Deep Work right now.
0: Okay. We're going to put this in the show notes. I know Rich Smith, who occasionally is on the show helping us host Workflow Wednesday, has mentioned this book to me and just kind of raved about it. I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet, but we're definitely going to put that in the show notes. For everybody who's listening in, we do put the show notes there at com, As I mentioned earlier, they also go in the show notes on your podcast app. You can look at them there. And Haley, who produces this show, has actually put together a really cool resource called the Boca Bookshelf, that highlights the favorite books from our guests, um, here on the show. So for everybody listening in, if you go to boca bookshelf.com, you can see that resource there and see some of the other books that our guests have mentioned, but we'll definitely put this book in the show notes. And, uh, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to grab a copy of that at some point too. That sounds really great. Well, let's get on to brand awareness then. And, And again, this is a loaded topic we could probably spend multiple episodes on, but Let's I I want to at least get your perspective on a kind of a bigger picture level, uh, a more philosophical level, if we can, about this topic. I mean, Creative Heart, if we just take the Creative at Heart brand, I, I was on your Instagram account yesterday and there's 40 plus thousand followers there, and I'm sure probably a compromise on Facebook Um, This is a brand that has a significant amount of awareness, and that hasn't happened by accident. Before you've gotten to this point where you at least have a a feel for how to develop this type of brand awareness, was there a particular mistake that you made that you you would like to share with our listeners? Maybe they can learn from uh, the process that you went through?
1: I've made so many mistakes. So actually picking one is probably the (laughs) hardest thing to do when answering this question. I would say... a mistake that I feel like is very relatable that some of y'all may feel like you are making or have made in your business, maybe trying to like combat right now is spreading myself too thin when it came to building the brand. Hmm. Trying to do way too many things to build it instead of putting on my blinders and saying, what do we want to do? What are we good at doing? What are our strengths? Like, let's focus on those. That would definitely be a big mistake that I have made in the past Um, and still sometimes have to tell myself, my friend Megan calls it disco balls syndrome where you're like, I need to do all the things to grow all the, you know, like you're like constantly distracted and it's so easy to do. There's so many things that we could do to grow our brand. So many great opportunities out there. So I think it's the mistakes I've made is not understanding what do we need to do? Not what should I do?
0: And maybe you're going to speak on uh, or comment on this here in just a little bit. But I'm curious, just as kind of the antithesis to that idea of trying to do too much or not being focused enough, not understanding what's most important right now. Was there a turning point at which you realized you needed to make the shift in that direction? And what was that aha moment? What did that look like?
1: The aha moment for me was hitting burnout um, okay. very just deeply, um, not only from you know having multiple brands, so doing too many things for all of them, but specifically with the creative at heart brand, just, again, trying to be too many things for too many people um, and realizing that, you know what, I just need to, to, to do what I want i need to do you know i i yes there's great resources out there and there's going to be people that tell you try this try that do this but what am i feeling led to do you know to the heart of it you know what why did you start this business in the first place? Ask yourself that. You know, what are you feeling led to do? And then what are the strengths? Like, what are you enjoying doing? And, and what is actually working? You can look at the numbers and see, okay, this is working well in the business. We should lean into this more versus trying to add something else to the plate that could potentially take away from what's already working well.
0: Yeah. You know, we've, I've mentioned this countless times on the podcast, but it, it's such a good reminder. And for that matter, actually an encouragement for me, even as, as a business owner, photographers, that it has been a wonderful lesson for me. And first of all, learning the significance of data, and then using that data. And it really, in some ways, it's actually comforting. That at the end of the day, you can actually set your your feelings aside. I'm a, I'm technically, or at least I recently took a short test. Apparently I'm an Enneagram three as well. So I, I can, I can feel your pain cat, but simultaneously I'm a pretty emotional guy too. So I know that my feelings can play a significant role in some cases in a detrimental way in my decision-making mm-hmm. process. I can set those feelings aside and just go black and white, go look at the data and make a decision, intelligent decision, informed decision about what I'm doing for my brand in, in multiple areas of my company, certainly the marketing area.
1: Absolutely. That's,
0: that's a really encouraging thing. So for those of you listening in, if, if you're not collecting data for your business, and yes, even if you're a sole proprietor, you can start with something just as simple as if you're not using QuickBooks online yet, start tracking all of the income and expenses in QuickBooks and looking at how you're generating revenue through what services, through what products, what expenses are going out each year and how you can cut those back. And that, that would be a basic way that you can start looking at data. You can implement Google Analytics in your website, begin to look at the way that traffic is functioning on and around your website and begin to make intelligent decisions about web, website design. That's just a couple of examples, but data is everything at the end of the day, especially for us more emotional people, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree. I also, and maybe that's because we do relate on the emotional side of things. I I do think that I've never made a business, a bad business decision if like based on what my gut said. So I have to also listen to my gut too. So I want to look at the data. I want to look at those numbers. I want to see, you know, like you mentioned website traffic. Okay. Where's the traffic coming from? I need to be where those people are coming from, you know? So if it's Instagram, if it's Pinterest, whatever it might be. But then I also want to make decisions based on like, just what my gut is genuinely saying, like, this is a good move. Like just trust your gut and do it because you started the business for a reason and you can be the CEO and like put on that CEO hat and be able to make that decision.
0: What's the balance with that idea though? Because um, the thing that I always say, I probably probably sound like I'm 70 years old saying this, but like you (laughs) you could have had, you know, a bad pizza the night before your stomach's upset. So your emotions are jacked up and you're making a decision based on that so-called gut feeling that isn't necessarily motivated by the right reasons. How do you balance between quote going on your gut feeling and then also making a decision that is intelligence reflective of the market and the business opportunities and the data in your business and, and so forth?
1: That's a great question. I think, first of all, making sure that your gut feeling isn't reactive, just like we've said, you know, Uh. several times throughout this. So you're right. If it's in the heat of a moment, in the heat of that decision, and you haven't had time to look at the data or to process, maybe to talk to a trusted mentor or friend, you know, to verbally process the options. If it's reactive, then you need to hold off and not do that. Those are probably not going to be the best decisions you've ever made. Um, But if you can see, okay, what is my gut telling me? Like what just feels right? Okay. Now what does the data say? Now, what is this person? Let me go to this one trusted person, you know, and kind of brain dump with him and process through and give yourself a little bit of space before reacting. Then I think you can listen to your gut in that situation.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'm going to, man, that's such a loaded topic. And and it's, (laughs) you know, in, in this day and age where, where so much of just culture's behavior, certainly our industry's behavior seems to be rooted in in feelings. I feel like those feelings many times can be misguided. So I, I like the combination of data and feeling and, and more specifically that the point that you made, which is that we have to be proactive in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's really, really important. Um, I, I know that so many times in my life, I've suffered as a result personally and professionally as a result of just being reactive in the way that that are going with. In fact, let me actually pull up this quote because I think this might sum it up really well. And, and I know we're going kind of leaning toward the personal side of things here, but I, I just read this actually in, in a book um, by a, an author named BD B E A T T I E. But she says, when we react, we forfeit our personal God given power to think, feel, and behave in our best interests. We allow others to determine when we would be happy, when we will be peaceful, when we would be upset and what we will say, do, think, and feel. We forget our right to feel peaceful at the whim of our environments. We are like a wisp mm-hmm. paper in a thunderstorm blown about by every wind. Uh, the book, by the way, is called Codependent No More, and it's a just a stunning book. I haven't finished it yet. But that really struck me. And you know, at the end of the day reactivity if we let the circumstances and environment around us kind of drive us and we're catering to I love that that word the whim of our environments that can get us in mm-hmm. a lot of trouble so I like the differentiation that you make there the significance of proactivity I think that's a good reminder for all of our listeners so let, let me jump then to this idea of brand awareness and you know there's I alluded to this earlier we could we could go the direction of and in fact, this is kind of the popular thing to do. If you go look for an article about developing a brand or building a brand, you're probably gonna find you know, three quick tips and then like five tools that you can go use to build your brand with. We could be talking about tools all day long, but if we don't have a healthy philosophy that drives why we're doing what we're doing, uh, I think we miss out in the end. And again, we can, it, it, our, our tendencies, our behavior can become kind of reactive in nature as we were talking about. So I'd love Kat, if you don't mind sharing, uh, with our listeners, the most important principles you mentioned to me before we got started that you have three, you're going to share that, that entrepreneurs should consider when trying to develop brand awareness for their company.
1: Yes. I'm so excited to share these. And it's, you didn't even know this, Nathan, but it's worked out perfectly with the, some of these other questions and just the, the flow of our conversation. So, the first one that I wanted to share um, actually kind of alludes back to when you asked me for um, businesses, brand position, and the position of my wedding planning company, and that, you know, wedding planners for the type A bride, whatever that, you yeah. know, is very niched down. Hey, very, by the way,
0: I've written that down here. Like, you're definitely going to have to put that up on the site. It's so good. I
1: will. I, I need to write it on a sticky note. It is going up. Um, but I feel like number one in terms of thinking about your brand awareness and just really creating and building your brand awareness is to know your people and repel the rest. Mm. Do not be afraid to make a somewhat bold stand. Like again, with my wedding planning company, I know who my bride is and I know who my bride is not. So it it doesn't mean I don't love those other brides and I don't want them to find the right fit, but I know I am not the right fit. So I want to be able to boldly Say that um, and portray that to them, whether it's through, you know, again, putting it very clearly on the website, talking about it on social media, making it very clear. And when they first inquire, like, what is it that you are able to do for them and who are you attracting? So, knowing your people and repelling the rest, I think, is incredibly vital when it comes to building your brand awareness.
0: Love it. I mean, I, I have nothing to ask there. You summed that up beautifully. And I, and I think. Our listeners know this idea. It's one of those things that, you know, we we hear certain ideas, certain principles, um, and they're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. But the idea of actually implementing it can be a bit nerve wracking at times. You know, the, the notion of putting something like wedding planning for the type A bride on your website is naturally going to push certain brides away. They're going to be like, that's, right, that's not me. And the idea of lose, possibly losing business can be a bit nerve wracking. I realize. I mean, I can relate to this idea, but the specificity um, of pointing out what Client, you would like to work with in one form or another, the copy on your website, etc. This will enable you then to to have a much more positive, fulfilling experience. at the end of the day, because you're getting getting to actually do what you want to. If you if you're just right. kind of bringing any and everyone in, and you're having a bad experience as a result, that might end up leading to to burnout. So the specificity of first of all uh, making known the type of client that you want to work with, I think this is a really important idea. And, and, and again, and, you know, we talked about brand position earlier, one of the reasons it's so important for our listeners is that you want to be able to create distinction in a really noisy market. So if you're kind of everything to everyone, then you're just going to get lost in the mix. The more specific that you are, including reaching out to that, that target client or that ideal client and, and specifying who that is on your site, um, the better your life as an entrepreneur is going to be. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's, let's go to the next principle then.
1: So the next one is more on the marketing and networking side of things. But as y'all know, when you're building your brand awareness, like that, that's what you're doing. You're trying to get more eyeballs on your brand. You're trying to get more people included into the culture of your brand. So a a big tip I want to share with y'all is to not be afraid of hearing no when you're doing this. So whether that is building your brand in terms of, um, Reaching out for speaking opportunities or podcast interviews, you know, going, you know, from that direction. So you're the one doing the pitching, whether that's reaching out to other industry professionals to collaborate on styled shoots and to work together in that regard, whatever the case may be, you're going to have to put yourself out there and it's going to feel scary. And you might hear no, but you're also going to hear yes. And some of those yeses are going to be so significant in the overall brand growth that your company can have.
0: Yeah, so risking the possibility of hearing no, and it, that's just naturally going to come as a result, as you pointed out, of, of just putting yourself out there, right? How do you, and maybe this is an, an obvious question, but I'd, I'd love to hear your take on it, Kat, actually. You, from your experience, how have you overcome that hit on I mean, at the end of the day, it's a hit on our ego, right? Like we feel bad if if somebody says no for, because we take this personally and and it totally makes sense. How have you been able to step beyond that and accept it for what it is and, and just continue to push forward?
1: I want to focus on what could come from it. So Ooh, even like if that, that person said no right then, it still has opened up a window. It's opened up that door for either potential collaboration hmm. or even just them recognizing my name in their inbox or in their DM or you know whatever the case may be. There's still potential, even if it's no, it's no right now, not no forever.
0: That's really good. Okay. Take us to the third principle.
1: Okay, and then the third principle again. All of these questions that we've been talking through have just worked out so well with this. It's made me so excited. <laughs> um, but with the third, um, the third aspect that I wanted to touch on with building brand awareness is knowing that you will need to put your CEO hat on. You cannot do all the things for your brand. So whether that's a couple of things, whether that's one picking your priorities. I sat down two years ago and I had a heart check with myself and I made a list of what does cat have to do? Like physically, what do I have to do in the business? So I'm a wedding planner. So that means I have to be there on wedding day for my clients. Those of you wedding photographers, you know, you have to be there on mm, wedding day yeah. for your clients. You have to be the one doing the shooting unless you're building a team, you know, of associates. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, but there are certain things in your business that you physically will have to do. Then there are other things that you can either cut out or outsource. But that's part of being the CEO and being able to take that step back and know what needs to be on my task list so that I can dedicate my time and my energy and my strengths to that. And then either what doesn't need to get done at all, and that's okay, or what do I need to start outsourcing so that no. those wheels still turn, but I'm not responsible for turning them.
0: And you know, let's just touch on this idea of outsourcing or the idea of this delegation is what we're talking about at the end of the day. If you're going to play CEO then you're going to have to delegate. This has been something that that I'm continuing to learn how to do more effectively on an ongoing basis. Um, I was so used to being the sole proprietor for so long, and even after Photographer's Edit continued to grow, we still had a pretty small team of of customer service and marketing. In fact, the marketing was largely me. So as our team has continued to grow, I'm learning this process of delegation and management even more. And it's it's honestly it's been a challenge. A lot of it centers around communication or learning how to Mm -hmm. communicate more effectively. What would you say would be the first thing that you would recommend to somebody that is trying to learn how to delegate more effectively?
1: I would say bringing on, I I think the first person that you should bring on would be some sort of admin assistant, because that will be the easiest to start delegating. Hmm. If you're a photographer, for example, I have coached photographers before and have some really good friends that are photographers. And I know how closely editing is to you, you know, and that you're like, man, like this is my, like, this is my work. So if you're like, maybe this is like a little bit scary, go with the admin first. So you see how freeing it is to free up that time to give up those things and that it is okay to continue to delegate in other areas of your business.
0: Yeah, let's we'll start where it's least painful, I guess. I mean, that's maybe a dramatic right. way to say it, but but where it's easiest, um, start with something like an admin assistant. That's really great. And there are a number of virtual solutions that provide those types of services to sole proprietors out there and uh, small businesses. So maybe we can link a couple of those in the show notes as well, bokehpodcast.com. But so under this point of putting the CEO hat on, you talked about picking your priorities. Are there some other ideas under that that you recommend to our listeners?
1: Um, Picking your priorities, I would say just again, what we talked about with going back to like looking at that data and knowing like what, where are the revenue streams coming from? Because obviously we're running businesses, not glorified hobbies. So you want to know, okay, well my priorities need to be where these revenue streams are coming from. So yeah. if that's you know, again, serving those clients, this digital product, this course, whatever it might be Um, understanding those. And then again, not getting that disco ball syndrome where you're like, oh, but this idea sounds good or this sounds good or what about this? And being like, no, let me focus in mm-hmm. and make Sure that these revenue streams, these priorities, are running like a well-oiled machine. They are working well. Now, can I add something else to the business plate, or do I need to say again, no, for the time being? No doesn't have to mean forever. It can just mean not right now.
0: Yeah, and and knowing, I mean that that data thing is really. It may even sound like we're for those of you listening in are not used to using data. Like we're kind of nerding out, kind of geeking out here. But it is such <laughs> a powerful. Concept. I, I have, in fact, as we're talking here, I, I pulled up uh, a report uh, from two thousand for our 2019 numbers at Photographers Edit. And I can look and see where 43% of my new accounts came from, and then 23%, the next biggest number of my accounts came from. And then the next biggest number is 15%. And so naturally, I'm going to want, I need to spend more time or continuing to develop. Uh, or capitalize on that, you know, the top, whatever that is now 75, 80% of my new accounts put the majority of our efforts there. And then there's opportunity to build on some of the other areas that are, that are weaker. Absolutely. But that's, that's just a clear example. And, and it's so fun to be able to actually look at that information and, again, be able to make an intelligent decision that's not guessing just at a whim, whatever you might be feeling in the moment, but actually base it on information. And we should be doing that as CEOs. So, yeah, I'm glad that you emphasized there that the importance of looking at the big picture specifically with regards to, to numbers, the data. It's a really great reminder for all of us. This has been a really helpful, very practical, actionable conversation, Kat. And I I really appreciate you making time to share with all of us. Can you just remind all of our listeners one more time where they can follow all the brands that that you're overseeing at the moment?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so many, but thank you for having me. Um, Y'all can head over to Instagram. I know that's where most of us are. At Kat Schmoyer is my Instagram handle for that brand. That's kind of the hub where I branch out, share about creative at heart and I share about Dear Sweetheart events. So I'd love to um, to see y'all over there.
0: Perfect. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, thanks once again, Kat, for sharing your wisdom with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.